0: My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. When you put a stylist with a gigantic heart, a dating expert with a penchant for social justice, and a girl boner enthused sex writer in the same room with microphones. You're about to find out, everyone. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and today's episode is extra special, not only because it is our last episode of 2017, but because my guest today are both filming each other and (laughs) my very dear friends. I love them so much. We are going to play some grown-up slumber party games that you all can play along with if you'd like to. You're also going to hear from Dr. Megan a couple of true stories and one not-so-true story about some of her sex therapy clients. Don't forget to sign up for Girlbunner updates at augustmclaughlin.com if you haven't already. I send updates about once a month, which include freebies, discounts, Updates about my upcoming Girl Boner book and more. A lot of what I share there, I don't share anywhere else. If you'd also subscribe and leave an iTunes review, I would be so grateful. You can also follow Girl Boner Radio on Spotify. That would be awesome. Now, I'm so pleased to welcome returning guests, style coach and personal stylist, Rain Parvis of StyleByRain.com and inclusive dating empowerment coach, Erin Tillman of TheDatingAdviceGirl.com. Welcome, ladies.
2: Yay! Yay!
0: We're here. Woo! We're back. We're back. We're We're back in the the show. On the show. Yay! Yay! So I'd love to hear first, since you've both been on the show before, Mm -hmm. it's been a little while. Mm -hmm. Would you share something from the past year related to your expertise that you learned? Some kind of uh, epiphany? Some sort of takeaway? Who wants to go first?
2: I'll go first. Um, Well, today or today, this year, I've learned that a lot of people um don't know what consent means that's a big thing I've learned this year um uh, I think we all could agree on that on some level the level of um well let's just go ahead and say the me too movement like I'm so proud of time magazine for choosing you know that movement basically as the people or persons of the year um you know everyone involved in that or the people involved in that the women mostly um, but some guys, too, you know. But yeah, I just I mean, like that's been the biggest thing for me is just like, you know, I'm, I'm currently writing a book around consent and it's been difficult. And I guess for better, or for worse, these conversations have been helpful in my writing of this book because it is some of some of the parts of this conversation are uncomfortable um, and are nuanced, but some things aren't at all. And that's what's been shocking to me is that, At the basic level, anyone questioning, well, what did, you know, did this woman do something wrong to make this, you know, 50 year old man touch her, even though she was only 16, Roy Moore and certain things. It's like, that's insanity. Like, why are we even questioning appropriateness at the least of this right like, that's insane Thank So that's why we're the having the
0: conversations right i feel yes. like the conversations are so important and they are really highlighting mm-hmm. these gaps that we've had mm. for a very long time mm-hmm. you know and i'm hoping that it leads to a lot of healing have you seen any progress yet i know it's new and a lot of people are kind of freaked out.
2: Yes, or combative or resistant. Um, but yeah, in general, yes, I, I think the, a lot of conversations I've been hearing and have been a part of have been really great and encouraging. For There's been a lot of women I've talked to who are like, wow, I didn't realize that this was that big of a problem. So maybe, you know, there's certain women who've never had their boundaries crossed and they're like, oh, like maybe they thought women were overreacting. And now they're hearing all these women sharing their stories and they're like, oh, wow, I didn't realize the magnitude of this issue.
3: And a lot of the things people don't realize that it was not consented or a lot yeah. of things didn't know. Like, I remember we were talking at lunch once time. I'm like, I did not even know all this stuff was considered sexual harassment because mm-hmm. it's just such everyday behavior from a lot of men, especially when I was in the entertainment Completely. industry. Completely, right. And it's
0: up to the person who is being affected directly, right, to decide mm-hmm. if They were assaulted. You know, we can't go, oh, that person was assaulted because this happened. It's based on case by case, right? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like a lot of people are experiencing something where they go, I felt really freaking uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And now I see why.
2: Yes. But generally speaking, I mean, I I just did a video about this um, and I'm sure we'll share our social media, whatever's, but um, I do a lot of social media posting and I just did a, a video basically around this just saying, you know, it's like goes back to like when you're a kid. Like, if it's not yours, don't touch it. That's your. That's someone else's toy. Don't take it. Don't touch it. It's kind of the same principle and a weird... That's a weird analogy. But, like, if it's, like, just don't touch somebody without their permission. Like, yes. it's, it's literally that simple in a lot of cases in, involving touch, let's right. say. You know? And especially in the workplace. Like, right. who are these people going around touching people? And, like, can we just for a second talk about who are these dudes who are, like, oh, I'm in the workplace. Let me just get naked now. Let me just... Take all my clothes off and masturbate in front of someone or whatever. I I just, that blows my mind. And it's not
0: about sexuality or desire or sex. It's about power and control. And I think that's a mistake a lot of people make. They think, oh, these uncontrollable sex drives. It's like, No. A lot of people with vulvas have really hardy sex drives right. and are not running around showing their vulvas to the secretary <laughs> or the administrative assistant. And
3: because people have yeah. never been, been shut down as much before, because it was always, if you do feel uncomfortable, you're embarrassed. You're probably not going
2: to talk about it. Totally. And so now everybody's talking about it and everyone's like, me too. <laughs> yes. And thank goodness. Like, yeah. yeah. And I mean, I, I will say real quickly, just to, to wrap my part of this up, you know, I there's been a little... maybe shame attached to people who don't feel comfortable coming forward. And I think that we need to respect everyone's boundaries within, like if they feel comfortable voicing what has happened to them in terms of a violation in the past or not. Some people are not going to feel comfortable sharing that with the world. And I get that. And that's each, like you said before, it's each quote unquote victims or survivors, you know, decision.
0: Yes, absolutely. It's so important to recognize that and to know that for many people, it is airing out your most potentially shameful, even though it's not your fault if it happens to you, Mm. it still is a dark secret for many people. Mm -hmm. Who wants to get up in front of the entire world and Mm -hmm. tell this secret? Right. Some people do. Some people get to a point where they want to. Some people are very empowered by it. And if you're not there yet, that is so totally okay. Right. I think it's important to celebrate those people too and say, you're courageous. Mm -hmm. Going through your day every day, interacting with people, continuing on your healing journey is so courageous. Absolutely. Rain, (laughs) what is your takeaway from this year?
3: Takeaway? I was actually going to talk about a new pant folding thing that i found out i'm
0: like, totally <laughs> down for this Maybe i don't that's even know like, what that means i just roll mine up and throw them in drawers yeah <laughs> tell exactly. me about pant folding
3: okay i actually figured out a new way to pant fold it's awesome you tuck in the crotch at the end and just really streams, streamlines your closet which i totally love and another tip that's a little bit more deeper is just like women don't always have to say yes or men don't always have to say yes um you don't always have to say yes to your clients as well. And I finally, this is my first year after seven years as a personal stylist that I kind of fired a client and I was like, nope, I'm not going to work for you anymore. Boundaries. Boundaries. Love you. Good
0: luck. (laughs) What was that experience like after? Did it feel emboldening? Did you feel affirmed? I extremely felt not only empowered,
3: like ha ha ha, but like coming from a place of humility, I was just like, we are not a great fit. And the way that I teach and the way that I style, I'm my own business and my own run, my own company for my with my own rules and just being able to be like, you know what? I don't need to play by her rules or his rules is okay, And I don't have to cater to that.
0: Yeah. And I feel like that really opens up opportunities for the yeses that you want. Mm -hmm. Because if you fill your life and this applies to friendships, to clients, to people that you're dating, to even family members, Mm -hmm. again, boundary setting. That's exactly it. And I feel like we've all been at a place at some point where we're like, we have to maintain these relationships, these opportunities because and it's never the, it feels authentic to us. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I need to measure up. I need to mm-hmm. seem kind or nice. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and I have to say, once you say your first no, it gets so much easier. I'm like, wow, yes. I've always been such a yes person because I want to help everybody and just go to be, of you know, beyond anything that I could possibly do for anyone. But now it's just like, no, I don't need to do that for everybody, especially if they're not being grateful. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. And just so you both know, if I invite you to do something and you say no, I am 100% thank you for
3: saying no. Um, um a- you guys can't say no <laughs> to me. Let's just make that clear. <laughs>
0: Okay, except for Ray.
3: I'll never say no to you, August, but you guys can't say no to me. You're
0: so no, funny. I'm just kidding. I can't even imagine that calling Ray. Can you see that? And we're like, oh hey, God. do you want to grab lunch? No! I yeah, no, exactly. I'm working my no muscle, but I'm still coming anyway. No, but
2: yeah, it's, it's so important though to have boundaries around all mm-hmm. these things, you know, and it is empowering to say no. And I think like it goes back to consent. All of it does. Like you said, it's not just dating. It's not just partners. It's not, it's literally every person you interact with in your life, you know, because people can push boundaries no matter what your relationship is with them, whether they're a colleague, whether they're a parent, you know, a cousin, friend,
0: whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I learned something cool this year related to consent you just made me think of in the self-defense classes that I took at Impact. So I learned uh, this technique, which sounds really basic. Once you do it, you're like, well, why hadn't I really done this before? And I may have without really thinking but now I'm much more conscientious of this. If somebody hugs you and and you get the creeps, mm-hmm. which happens to all of us, mm-hmm. and you're like, why are you rubbing against my boobs or oh, whatever? Yes. Just lifting their hand off, saying no. Wow. Mm-hmm. And you can say it in so many ways. You can say, you can lie. I'm not feeling well right now. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm super contagious. Back off. <gasps> you can say I'm not a hugger. You can say that's not appropriate. There's so many different ways. And I feel like simply practicing that is really empowering because it becomes more muscle memory and you don't get to that weird space of like and there are times when someone's going to maybe give you a hug and it feels weird and you feel like it would feel more uncomfortable to me in this space yeah to say that mm-hmm. and that's okay too
3: and taking away the shock value because i i saw you graduate the defense class she was amazing everybody <laughs> <laughs> and i cried because it was very i mean i thought i was gonna go there and just learn like a like see her do a few moves like I was just extreme, like I was very vulnerable and I had tears in my eyes because it was so shocking. Oh, yeah. So it was, uh, so just taking the shock value out of being touched in the wrong way or having certain situations are, which is what all this consent is coming to. It's mm-hmm. like, wait, no, because your brain's automatically going to register. That is like a no, that is a boundary. And then you can react versus being shocked and then thinking back for it, like, oh my gosh, that totally wasn't okay.
2: Well, it was really interesting. Someone shared a video with me on, I think it was on Good Morning America. And they were basically interviewing uh, these like seven to 10 year old boys. Um, and they were talking about boundaries and consent because I literally, I, I don't have kids. And those of you listening, it's like, you know, I'm a single girl, whatever. But to my friends who have kids, I've said it over and over again, you know, the behavior, what whatever you're letting your kid do now, especially your sons, like they're going to have that same behavior when they get older and they're going to have that similar behavior with partners later on. And they were saying this in this interview like series where like a couple experts and they're talking about uh, these boys actually knew about boundaries and they'd heard about consent before and they were, you know, like if you see something happen with, you know, if a, someone's messing with like a girl, you know, school friend of yours, like, "Oh, I'm going to tell a teacher." And I was like so proud to see that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like literally in some ways these kids are learning better like skills around boundaries than adults. And so, like tell your kids now. Like it's I don't think it's too young to teach basic boundaries. Like boundaries doesn't have to be super graphically sexual for a kid. It can be just like basic. Again, like, "Don't is that touch your, your sister." Right. Yeah. "Don't touch your sister. Don't put your hands on somebody, you know? Mm-hmm. Or if somebody, you know, doesn't want to hug you, it's okay, you know. There's been conversations around, you know, if a kid doesn't want to hug like their creepy uncle, or something,
0: you know, and it's like yeah. for, forcing like you have to hug the. It's Which like, they oh teach my God. girls, they have to, yeah, and they don't teach that to boys. Oh, it's really unfair to all genders.
2: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Because I, I have seen it with young boys too. You know, it's just like you're the kid, you have to do this thing, and it's like, okay, you know, like let's exercise some. Anyway, I could go down the whole path of like. Anyway,
0: yeah, boundaries. <laughs> I mean, but back for
2: to the record, bit. kids have to sit on Santa's lap. Oh. <laughs>
0: If well, if they want a
2: present, me. if they want presents, I guess that's sort of a deal, right? The it's so odd. It's so odd. And not, it's so not odd. like a Santa who
0: just runs into your house in the middle of the night. No. Actually. I'm sure there are creepy Santas. They have to come with oh, an I've outfit. I've seen a few. <laughs> yes. Okay, so let's play a game. Yeah. Yes. Yay. Let's start with two truths and a lie. Okay. I'm excited about this. <laughs> so I'll start with Dr. Megan so that we can give ourselves a moment to kind of decide. So mm-hmm. all three of us really prize. Honesty and <laughs> being genuine, so all yes. of us were like, couldn't think of a lie at first. It was very <laughs> hard. It was really hard it for me, seriously. Hard. It was yeah. pretty hard. But I asked Dr. Megan, our wonderful sex and relationship expert, to weigh in with some truths and lies from her clinical practice. So she shared three experiences of sex therapy clients, and we, you, because I already know the answer, <laughs> are going to guess which one is a
1: lie, which two are true. And these mm-hmm. are from
2: her clients.
0: Yes. We have to guess
2: what, okay, okay. This is going to be interesting, sure. I'm
1: really excited to be able to um, play this game with you guys and all your uh, listeners. And so I'm going to share two true uh, presentations to my office and one that's completely fiction. And so I would love to see who can guess. So the first one. Liz, she's 27-year-old, she's single, she came, she was referred by her gynecologist because she was experiencing too much pain or discomfort to tolerate even the child-sized speculum for her pap smear to screen for cervical cancer. Then there's Jeff, he's a 42-year-old married man who is more interested in sex than his wife. He's completely tired of the rejection and feeling helpless and hopeless. And lastly... There's a couple who came that uh, she's 27, he's 30. They have a solid relationship, but they're presenting because they really have a wish and desire that their sex life could be better. They feel like they've fallen into a little bit of a sexual rut.
0: Okay, so there Hmm. we have it. We have very small vaginal opening and creating some problems. We Mm -hmm. have a man with higher sex drive and feels like he's being rejected a lot. And then we have, what was the last one? (laughs) What was 27 the
3: and a 30-year-old were having problems thinking that they're suck- they're in a sex rut. So right. they wanted so they to kind of boost kinda it. Like spice I think up. that one's the lie.
2: I think they're all realistic. So
0: it's hard. They are. They are realistic, I would say. Yeah.
3: They're realistic. But I'm saying the 27 and 30-year-old because mainly that's like a very high sex drive, especially for a man at 30. Yeah. So I'm just saying that's going to be the fibbing one. Yeah. And that's my That's why.
2: I'm like, I'll agree. That's That was a really good reason why, Rain. So I'm going to agree with Rain.
1: Are we wrong or right? Ah, Megan's about to tell you. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. So, which do you think is true or false? Um, so what I would like to say here is uh, the first one, uh, Liz, she absolutely is a, an amazing woman who came in. Um, she has something called vaginismus. And vaginismus, vaginismus is uh, an involuntary spasm that It really impacts desire and the ability to be intimate with a partner, desire from the perspective of it's hard to desire that which hurts. Um, But it's also a quality of life issue because she can't use tampons uh, in the beach when she goes uh, in the summer. And it's also a health issue, obviously, not to be able to have a pelvic exam or to be screened for cervical cancer. So in the role of vaginismus, uh, as a sex therapist, we help a woman use relaxation strategies, dilators, progressive dilators, so that they can learn to, starting really, really small, insert something into um, their vagina without pain or discomfort, and working their way up through those sizes so that they can comfortably, ultimately, if they choose to be, and when they're ready, have sex with a partner. So the second one, dun-dun-dun, uh, true or false, it's Jeff... Um, It's also true. Uh, I see a lot of couples where uh, there's a desire discrepancy or mismatch levels, and it's often more common the male has the higher libido, but I can absolutely say completely not always true. Uh, I work with a number of couples where she has the higher sexual interest. And what I can say is on either side, whether they want to be or not, the low desire partner is controlling the sexual relationship. And, you know, it's really a challenge because so often there are many factors that contribute to low desire. Often it's uh, fatigue, feeling at the bottom of the list, feeling like they don't have enough time for themselves, and, and or they've never really truly experienced pleasure, so they feel like they're not missing out. Like They don't even, I always say it's nails on the chalkboard to me when someone says they're okay if they never had sex again, uh, because in my mind, it's like then they've really truly never known what pleasure is possible for them. So um, for anyone listening, when, if you're in a marriage or relationship like that with uh, mismatched levels of desire, it's to recognize, don't suffer in silence. Uh, You know, nobody wants to feel that rejection. And um, you know, so often it can impact the relationship as a whole. And honestly, therapy, sex therapy in particular can be really helpful. It doesn't have to look and feel that way. And so lastly, the third, which is the couple, this would be an amazing couple—27 and 30—coming in um, with a solid relationship, and this would to improve their sex life. And basically, this is the lie. This is the one that I threw in there because I would love to see this couple. Um, the reality is, unfortunately, in our culture, prevention doesn't sell. Uh, and by that, I mean it's like people have the heart attack or it's the crisis of an affair or perhaps it's addiction, it's often sadly a crisis that that is that tipping point that brings people into therapy um, or to seek help. And so, you know, my biggest wish is for all your viewers and listeners um, out there to recognize that, let's take out the stigma that in any way is associated with therapy, sex therapy, of course, in particular, just the sense that we can all benefit from speaking to experts because we only know what we know. And an expert can really help us to ask questions that we may never have been thought of and certainly can be a resource for things that we don't even know about. Um, and even just to guide us, even from the self-help perspective, it's like, you know, I have a 10-year-old son. He's like, okay, Google. <laughs> he asked the question. I'm like, and you're going to just take those first top responses <laughs> and as if that, that really is coming from you know, in a sense, science or uh, experts or evidence-based medicine. So what I really would love for everyone listening is uh, my greatest desire for all of you in 2018 is to experience more pleasure. So go out there, be curious, uh, consult with an expert. And as I always say, just go out there and have fun. Happy New Year to everyone and wishing everyone an amazing 2018.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Megan. Everyone, check her out at greatlifegreatsex.com. I loved what she had to say about prioritizing pleasure and how she wishes that more couples would come in and be like, I just want to work on my sex life. It's not this big, gigantic (laughs) thing, right? Uh But I think it's so true what she brought up. And I also thought it was really interesting what she said about, like, libido. If people are curious why people who identify as women often are at least believed to have a much lower sex drive or Mm -hmm. more frequently, which is related to so many different things. And it's all over my girl boner book. So, (laughs) uh, What did you all think?
2: I think it's, well, good job, Brain, because you're the first one who chose that third option as the lie. So nice job. Thank you. Uh, I piggybacked on your answer there. Um, But no, I I mean, I think it's true. I mean, the thing that came up for me is that I feel like well, and we've talked about this before. I mean, I not to talk about exes, but I feel like in my adult dating and sexual life, I've had a higher sex drive than most guys I've dated. Mm-hmm. And true. that isn't necessarily seen as typical being being a woman, you know? And so, I don't know. I mean, just people need to talk. Be, be honest about what your sex drive actually is. The, another thought that just popped in my head. Be honest about what your sexual needs are and what your sex drive is. And I think, you know, that could go down a whole road in terms of, like, even cheating or, like, mm-hmm. people not feeling fulfilled by a partner. Like, and a lot of times, you know, with clients I've had, it's like they're not even really honest with themselves or with partners about what is going to really make them happy. True. Sexually. Yeah. You know, and then they might seek it elsewhere depending on what the relationship agreements are and that kind of thing. Totally. totally. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. And I think, interestingly, I think that women are much less likely to seek support if their sex drive is higher Because we've been cultured to be like, first of all, so many blame themselves Uh and they think there's something wrong with them and their partner's unattracted. Mm -hmm. I hear from so many women, obviously, probably because my life is called girl boner, So (laughs) 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 I attract a lot of women who have very high sex drives Mm -hmm. and I love you all. And I love all of you who have very low sex drives. I just think we should stop gendering it. You know what I mean? And just be like, wherever you're at is okay. If you want to desire sex more then that's a very legitimate, beautiful goal to have. And there's so many ways to approach it. If you're totally fine with a not super high sex drive, if you are a cis guy and you're like, I don't want sex as much as Mm -hmm. my partner does. That doesn't make you less masculine. It doesn't make you less sexy. Vulnerability makes you sexy. If somebody tells me, if a guy says, I just am not in, interested right now. You know, if if they have the balls to say that, That's right? Ooh, hard like, to get. You are yeah, awesome. But, but I mean, see, but you're right. You brought up. I mean, there's such shame fact a shame factor
2: with both all genders in this you know i mean i think that for cis men there's a there's a a shame factor if they they're expected to have this huge libido and if they don't i mean i've run into that i've i've experienced that with partners you know and there's a shame that they feel like oh man well i just don't you know i don't feel as sexual as you are or whatever like and to go back there's i'm not shaming anyone either for that like everyone's sex drive is different it's just good to be honest about it because then a partner can feel bad or feel like it is about them but maybe you're not attracted to them because you don't want to have sex with them or don't, and I don't, like, let's just, it's not just, like, you know, intercourse. Like, what, be intimate. Like, some people just aren't, don't need touch as much. You could go into love languages even there, you know? I have but, a really
0: strong opinions about love languages, but I'll save them. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait,
2: everyone that's needs it. that book, by the that's
3: way.
0: Told, I don't like it. But oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I'll, I, I can save it for another show, but I will just briefly <laughs> say that I feel like if it helps you, that's great. Yeah. Um, second to that, though, I feel like it way overgeneralizes things mm-hmm. and kind of misses out a lot of a lot of nuance. And it could potentially have people thinking so much about partner pleasing, which we want mm-hmm. to please our partners, right? But for me, it's like every time I've taken the test too, it's like, I can't even, it's so hard to answer the questions. If, if I had a partner who never gave me gifts, yeah. then yeah, a gift would be an amazing thing to get. If I had a partner who never touched me, Please touch me. You know what I mean? I'm like, can't we just want all of it and not be like, to me, it's not. And it started out really, really evangelical. If you go back to the Mm -hmm. early days. It's true. So, but I say all of that. And then I go, you know what? There's so many people who love this. And I also think there's value in the idea of respecting our partner's wants and preferences. Totally. So if we are really affectionate and we love PDA and we want to smooch in public and our partner doesn't, mm-hmm. you can't just impose that. Again, Completely consent. You know? right, yes. Same, same kind of thing. Yeah. Same kind of thing, yeah.
2: I think that book is a good starting point. Like, I think for people who maybe are like, I give a ton of gifts to my partner and they don't seem to love me. Or I say I love you all the time to a partner and they don't, Mm -hmm. it doesn't make a difference. Like I'm someone who, like the words I love you don't mean anything to me. Like for me, I'm definitely more actions. But that's why it's a good
3: starting point. So you can be like, it changes your perception and it's like a trigger point. And you can say, then you make your education, your decisions based on what you feel after being educated in the different ways that you can look at something.
2: But I'm also with you, August, in that, like, I feel like sometimes I'm like all of them. I'm like all of a love, or not, not the words one, but I'm like. It depends like the on the time
3: ones. of the month for me, what my <laughs>
2: language is. Like, I, I am like four of them at one time. I don't know. Yeah. So I hear, I totally yeah. hear you on that. Yeah. yeah totally. Yes.
3: Um, One more thing going back to what Doug, Dr. Megan was suggesting was not just about genderism, but also about ageism, if that's even a vocabulary mm-hmm, word. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like the 27 and 30 year olds, uh, even if they did have sexual. They're not the age group that's going to go seek an expert help. They're probably going to go talk to their friends at a bar, which is actually not great <laughs> great <laughs> advice all the time anyway. so not just this... we're their friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: we're the best at a bar. We're the best.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, if you speak to another 27-year-old, she's not going to have as lot of information as someone who's 50 uh, and, you know, been a psychologist for you know, the past 30 years or whatever. So I just think that that's an also important fact that she kind of brings yeah, bring up to. And
0: also how she said people turn to Google Take that with a grain of salt, because there's uh, so many oh. myths, especially around sex and gender. So many things. So many things. Yeah, that's it's, so true. Which is kind of good, because it gave us careers, Aaron and I. Like, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Internet. <laughs> <laughs> We're out there debunking myths. Yes, it's true. Constantly because of it. So. Yes, very but, uh, true. So who would like to tell their truths and lies next? Uh, no. Do you want to go first? Sure, I'll go first. Rain's, rain's going rain. first. Let's do Ready? this. Okay. First, uh, first one
3: was is I dated a guy that has just had his head tattooed. We ended up drinking and getting busy on my friend's brand new couch. When she went to sleep, he ended up with <laughs> black ink all over it that we couldn't get it out. Oh, my God. So that's one story. That's
2: so elaborate. <laughs> I mean, okay.
3: My next one was, I don't know if I could say this, but I'm going for it. I once took off my underwear in a restaurant restroom when I was on a date because I noticed that they had skin marks on it. And I threw them in the trash. I love it. And then the third one is, is I didn't start masturbating until 22. Wow.
0: Okay.
2: Hmm.
0: My my gut is telling (laughs) me. That's great. These are good. This might be because I just saw this special on lying.
3: (laughs) Uh And I don't know
0: if this is always true. I don't think most things are always true. But when there are a lot of details, sometimes that's the lie. Oh. 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 I'm going to say A is the lie. Tattoo ink mess. Okay, what do you think, Erin?
2: I'm gonna go with uh, I, I'm gonna go with C or three. C or three. So there's
3: tattoo <laughs> skid marks and ma- not 22. Yeah, you until definitely 22. did number
2: two. <laughs> Yeah, probably I think more that's than That's definitely a real option. Um, I'm gonna go three, and I don't know why. I just I, I think three for you.
3: Okay, so my lie was the elaborate detailed one about ah. the dating of the guy, which is a complete truth, but we did get the ink out of the couch. It was insane. <laughs> See, but it was is, lied. Again,
0: so us. We're like, I'm trying to lie. <laughs> I know, oh, right? I take a true
3: story so it's like 90% it. truth. 90%. So that's a great tip to know about when someone's trying to lie. That so is. now let's see if we can
2: guess Aaron's based on
3: that. Oh,
0: okay, Use the exact same number of words in every <laughs> one.
2: Just kidding. Oh my God. Mine's, uh, okay. Let, uh, I won't say, I won't give anything away. Okay, here we go. Um, okay. So one is um, I speak French and lived in France. Um, another one is uh, I once worked with both Mr. T and Bill Nye, the science guy. And the last one is, uh, I once performed a circus, circus, circus act uh, for a show.
0: I think definitely you've done B because yes. you've done a lot of TV and yes. entertainment. Unless, you know what? You probably switched out one of the names. Okay. But still, I'm going to say. It is the longest answer. I don't remember anything about France, but now yeah. that I just said that, I'm
3: like, did I? I'm going with the France one just because... I've known you for a while, and if you have never spoke to me in French, I will be very upset. <laughs> so I'm going with the France one.
2: Better be A. You both think A. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was C. Circus performing. I. <gasps> you guys didn't you know I lived in France for like. I had no after idea. College. Yeah. I, wow. I'm Je suis. Uh. Je peux parler en français. Um. Mais je parle pas souvent parce que n'y y a pas beaucoup de. Like, yeah. Okay. What? Erin! I can't
0: believe people don't know this. That's no. so funny. You know what? Because we get together and we get into all these issues. And we are like. It's true. We get I would so totally
3: boast that I can speak French. Oh, that's oh, a whole my part goodness. of business
0: plan, by the way. Okay. Yeah. That's that's gonna, amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Oh, thanks. Okay, thanks, topic ladies. for our next lunch. <gasps> yes. Your French experiences. Yes. Yes. Oh, they were fun.
2: They were great. <laughs> I know. Oh,
0: yay. All right. Okay. Here I am. Yes. I wrote a paper about why I don't have to masturbate. I got engaged to somebody on the very first date. I went on a date with a serial killer.
2: I'm going B. Engaged after one date.
0: That's the lie,
2: I mean.
3: Okay, I'm going to go with serial killer.
0: Oh. so I'll tell you. So the first one, I yes, I did write a paper about why I don't have to masturbate. That's also you, by the way. Yes. (laughs) So you, (laughs) August. (laughs) Yes, obviously. Anything that (laughs) has the word masturbate or anything like that, you did. So let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) You know me so well. Uh, I did get engaged to somebody on the first date. Wow. Wait, did you know this? No, I just didn't. But that's very August. Wow. Yeah. Oh man. It didn't last. I call it my ex pseudo marriage.
3: Wow, mm-hmm. that's an interesting
0: story, though. Oh, well, you live life. You live life. I love it. <laughs> Seriously. That. That's a very positive awesome. way to look at it. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I did not go on a date with a serial killer, but I did go on t- dates with two, two guys who played ser- serial killers in movies. Oh, tricky. And, you know. Wait, like, so did I. I what? wonder if we dated
3: the same person. Oh, my who? gosh. Give me a hint. Um, uh, is there. Was it the Mendez brothers?
0: No. OK. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Oh, you dated from the series that was just on?
3: Not from the series. they just on the original one. I dated one of the Menendez brothers. Ah, yes. Oh, my but God.
0: But not the real serial killer. The, one, the guy that played <laughs> the actor. You know what's so interesting is... That is so funny. The first one, it was during our dinner. I was getting the creeps, and I couldn't figure out why. I was like... Why do I have oh this God. funny? But it didn't quite feel like a normal gut instinct, intuition. Intuition, huh? though. There was something weird. Well, what ter- it actually turned out to be Lifetime. Like, I had seen the movie on Lifetime, <laughs> like, the week before. <laughs> so I was having flashbacks of that. Like, oh he looked God. at me this way, and I was like,
2: <gasps> Oh, that's craziness.
0: And then I IMDb'd him later. You you like, so was up. he like
3: method acting with you or something? Is that what no. you're trying to say? Or no, he, he was wasn't just
0: scary on the not neither of them okay. were scary on the dates. The other one I knew had played a serial killer. Okay, and <laughs> so but yeah, I mean, and they were two of the first people that I dated in LA as well. So it was like wow, oh, I'm attracting my. a lot of these yeah serial killers, which is a lot better than dating the real thing. Although oh. we may not know
3: that we date. We don't a serial I know See, really
2: through that. Trickery and craftiness.
0: (laughs) Okay, so game number two. Yes, I have this book called If, Questions for the Game of Love. Yes. It's a fun kind of slumber party game. So listeners can, if you want to pause it and answer yourselves, you can. I found this book on Amazon. And to be honest, some of the questions might lead you to a divorce or breakup if you play <laughs> with your partner, because some of the questions are very, like, I don't know if you want to go down that rabbit hole. Play uh, at your own risk. Right, exactly. But you can pick and choose. So I'm just going to skim around here, and I thought we could all just answer and see where the conversation <laughs> leads us. Yes. Erin, this one's for you. Oh, If you had I- to smell one food every time you had sex for the rest of your life, oh, what God. would it be?
2: Oh my gosh. Well, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is cookies. I feel like that <laughs> smell is very soothing. Yeah. You know, the cookie, baking like cookies. Baking in the oven. Yeah. But but then again, it's like I don't like anything sexual when I've been eating a lot. Mm-hmm. Then you feel chubby and like just like, like lumbering around. Like you feel bloated like you ate the cookies already. Yeah. Well, in my mind, there would be actual cookies. If I'm smelling them, uh, that's terrible, yeah. right? See, yeah. so I don't know if I don't know. See, I'm thinking way too much about. So like, maybe I'm your like food a needs to be like in the
0: freezer. Like <laughs> you can't really smell it. How about this? I also or maybe do... she just
3: has aromatic oil, but it's not really food. It's like the cookie oil.
0: Yes.
2: Okay, I'm gonna go cookie. I'm gonna cookies or um or what's the um oh my gosh flavor uh, uh, like a uh, oh. I can't. Vanilla? Vanilla? jasmine, oh, jasmine's good. Like a lavender, or a jasmine, good. lavender's or relaxing. Cookies. Yeah, so like if you both needed of those. to, be and you relaxed. can actually eat that. Oh, see, mm-hmm. so there the you go. Lavender cookies. Oh.
3: I'm sure Whole Foods has lavender I know, cookies. I've <laughs> had lavender brownies.
0: <gasps> uh huh. Yeah.
2: That's what it is. Lavender brownie smell. They're really nice. Good. Bam. They're really nice.
0: Mm hmm. Okay, rain. Oh, that one is not a good question. <laughs> <laughs> Nor is that one. <laughs> If you were to name the part of other people's bodies you most like to touch, I'll add with consent. Mm. Mm-hmm. What would it be? Do you have a favorite body part? Waist. You like to touch Aww. the waist? Mm-hmm. Aww. Like circle around the
3: waist. Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah, it was like a sweet answer. Yeah. Even so when nice. I do the
3: body and style analysis for my clients, it's is my favorite part. Not in a creepy way, just like
0: ah, yeah. oh, here I am, giving you a big hug. Aww, <laughs> so I, love it. I love that the answer is just right there. <laughs> I know, it's really sweet. <laughs> that is super sweet. Aww. I love that. I love that. Okay, Yay. let's see here. And then maybe I'll pass this book around in case somebody else would like to choose one. Oh. That could be interesting as well. Okay. Yes. Why don't you
3: ask one to yourself? Ready? Go. Really?
0: Okay. So this next one will be for me. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to try to. Pick your own time. question. Okay. Yeah. I'm just literally looking at the first question that came up. If you were to name the most romantic moment in your life so far, what would you say? Way to give myself a really heavy Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> seriously. Oh my gosh. The first thing that came to mind was the moment that I realized that my partner who was then my friend I was in love with and Mm -hmm. the one I'm married to now and it was such a random kind of everyday moment it wasn't like some grandiose you know we weren't under the stars and he wasn't like giving me flowers in that moment we were because we'd been neighbors Mm -hmm. oh oh yeah I'm learning so much that's how we met (gasps) and so we were both gonna go for a run at Griffith Park at the same time we just happened to be both interesting going so we're like let's go together and I sat down on his front step which was where we met the first time and put my shoes on and I glanced up at him and I thought oh my god I'm so in love with him oh my gosh and so we went for this run and the entire time I'm like oh my god oh my god oh my god (laughs) and then we got married uh a year and a half later on those steps Oh my gosh, it's I didn't so know you got sweet. married on those
3: steps.
0: Aww. Zoe was my Zoe was my maid of honor, my big deaf bulldog. Mm-hmm. But Aww. the person who married us was so scared of big dogs that she had to be inside for most of it. What? And uh, then I had this little uh, beagle, our neighbor's beagle. His back legs didn't work ancient dog they had adopted Mm -hmm. with all these health issues and she was the sweetest most precious being and she came out in this little pink stroller she was our ring bearer and i looked out at her and like ugly cried all over the place oh that's so sweet okay so this one is for you okay let's do it oh if you could have attended any famous couple's wedding who would you choose well, okay. How about this? Um,
2: I'll go future tense. Um, I'd love to be at uh Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's wedding. Like that would be pretty fun. Like to see that and do it. And she's like a commoner, so to speak, an American and a black woman, and like all these things happening with Prince Harry. That would be awesome. And they like the convergence of like royalty and like celebrity is just very interesting.
0: So, if anyone has uh, connections. Hook, Internet, hook me up right here. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Okay. Let's see. I like this game. Rain.
3: I know. I'm usually not a game player, but this one's kind of fun. <laughs> I, think fun. I like it
0: because there's not a bunch of rules. Yeah. You don't have to read instructions. <laughs> don't have to keep <laughs> track of the like. dice. <laughs> exactly. No math. Nobody wins <laughs> or loses. Rain, if you were to think of the biggest misconception about marriage that bothers you, Ooh. what would it be?
2: That's a good one. The biggest
3: misconception would be that.
0: Or maybe even something that surprised you about it.
3: Well, I think that everybody said the first two years of marriage was going to be the most difficult. And I found it pretty easy.
0: That's really lovely to hear. Yeah. Yeah, So I
3: kind of felt like I picked the right one. We were both kind of older, so we didn't rush into things. So I just felt that like. Yeah.
0: You knew yourselves. I think that makes a huge difference Mm because that ex pseudo marriage I told you about. I feel like, you know, there was a reason for us. You can always find purpose and growth in relationships that aren't supposed to last or don't last or whatever. So, you know, I I don't believe in like regretting relationships, but we didn't Mm -hmm. know who we were as people. And it's so different when you meet later. And
3: I think that they also say like, "Oh, just wait till you live with that person." And it's like, if <laughs> if you marry a respectful, kind, and person, then you're probably going to get that even when you live with them. You just have to be understanding. But it was a pretty great uh, two years. So and he's a
0: great Aww, guy. Yeah, awesome couple. I gotta say, yeah. so, both
2: of your husbands are great. Are, yeah, you you chose well, ladies. Good job.
0: And they like each other.
2: They is, do. Oh, yeah, yeah they get
0: along pretty well. Yeah. It's nice. See. Yeah. See. Yeah, Aaron's got the book now. I know.
2: I don't know. There's too many good ones. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, Okay. Am I asking? Who am I asking? One of you. You can ask August. Yeah, both of us. (laughs) All right. How about this? Either one of you, whoever wants to answer. Uh, No, no,
0: it doesn't fit. This is hard. It is kind of hard, especially because you're trying to read all these different questions. I know. I'm like, oh,
2: speed read. (laughs) Just pick one. Just pick one. If, uh, okay, if you were to articulate the biggest difference between the way a woman loves a man and the way
0: a man loves a woman, what would you say? Uh, Screw stereotypes. That's Mm -hmm. what I would say. See, I know, right? makes me insane. Yeah, totally. We're so much more alike than we are different. And we are so individual. It's not about what genitalia you have. And it's not about what gender you know yourself to be.
2: Totally. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I mean, it's, you know, I was just saying before, you know, I've written some things before I was going through and, reading my old things I've written, say like Mm -hmm. five years ago and stuff, it felt very like heteronormative and very specific to gender. And I was really upset with myself about that. And, you know, you can't be upset. You know, we all evolve and like, well, hopefully we do. (laughs) Um, And, you know, it's okay to look back and critique your own works. And so I'm going to update some things I've written and done before in the past um, just so it's a little more current and, and, and more in alignment with how I feel now about like misgendering things or just like how I, I agree with you. I feel like individuals are individuals, you know? And so, and everyone's a little bit different. Mm. Um, so yeah, I hear you on all that. And I we don't are know.
0: socialized differently. Yeah, know? So I think true. that's why we see a lot of trends as far as supposedly – Women are much more about they need lots of close, intimate safety before Mm -hmm. they feel Mm -hmm. they can be sexually aroused. Mm -hmm. You know, men think with their penises. Like, those are the things we're talking about. And And they don't
3: communicate well, and they're stubborn, and and yeah. right. And they're not good talkers. It's like, that is just all such BS. It's like... If yeah, you're a human and you want to communicate with your friends, your boss, whoever it is in your life, you have to be a good communicator and listen and be open and or not just like be. shut yourself out. Yeah.
2: Well, and what's interesting is, you know, living in Los Angeles, you know, I grew up in a small town. I, bring, I brought this up a lot on um, in my various places I've spoken and stuff this past year. But, you know, growing grew up in a small town in Ohio that's more conservative than not. You know, we didn't learn a lot of things, you know, about gender or sexuality or sexual orientation. I've learned most of that here, living in LA for 15 years. And, you know, we do have access to more. I mean, like you said before, August, the Internet has made it so that you can find a lot of Mm -hmm. great things, especially, you know, nowadays. I mean, it'd be amazing, you know, if I had resources like that, you know, if the Internet was around when I was growing up, which it wasn't because I'm older than what I look, whatever. Um, But, you know, (laughs) to be able to search through like kids in small towns can search through and look for these things, you know, if they're feeling a certain way and feeling different than Mm -hmm. other people. And they're like, is there anyone else out there like me? You can go on the Internet and see, see these things now. But, you know, I just feel like. You know, especially living in L.A., the thing that I've learned over 15 years, especially being a dating coach for 10 of those years is is that there are so many different quote-unquote categories of people and people live so differently. And that's why with my dating coaching and everything else, I'm like, you know, it's really important to know your identity first because Mm, we go uh out and date people assuming, just making assumptions that everyone wants the same thing or this person looks a certain way so they must be that. And it's like, no, no. This person could look a certain way but identify as something totally different. This person could look traditional but could totally not be. They could be super polyamorous. You know, there's all these different things. And so... It's really important for us to know our own identity going into dating so we can be like, oh, that person, now that I've had a conversation with them, they're clearly not on the, you know, we're not in alignment in terms of what we want, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a colleague, Reed Mahalko says, date your species. And I, you know, I love that phrase because, you know, we are a different species in the sense of, like, dating in those categories. And so it's really important that we know, know thyself first. You yeah. can go out there and then find others who... You know, are in alignment with you and your species. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm.
3: Yes.
0: Yay, species. Woo,
2: woo-hoo. woohoo! More book. Yes.
3: Okay, One more do it. From here. <laughs> okay, if you had to name a situation where you have used your sensuality to get something other than sex, what would it be?
0: Woo. Mm. I'm going to hmm. say, when I moved to New York, I was working as a model. So this was like right after high school and my agents told me that I had to go to these client parties hmm. and I had to quote charm people. Wow. And so I, I didn't think of it in those terms, like I'm using my sensuality, uh-huh. but it was very clear to me that, you know, they told anyone who had an engagement or wedding ring to take it off. We were supposed to seem available without wow. giving away too much. And that idea got kind of embedded in me, you know? And so, and then when I moved to LA and I'm acting. It's, there's so much of that that is just expected or imposed on you. And it it got into my psyche to a point where you start to wonder, like, am I... I don't want to get this role because I was, like, giving you this mystique. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's that's bothered me. Uh, But I can see why people end up in these situations where they feel powerless because, you know, it's a lot like the Me Too stuff. I mean, I certainly had situations where I had to stop talking to somebody Mm -hmm. or I had a manager suggest we go to their hotel room after a completely professional relationship. And I was completely stunned and Mm. that fell apart and I probably lost jobs, you know? So it's, it's one of those weird things. Uh, But for me now and in general, what feels most authentic is don't like use your sensuality Mm embrace it, mm-hmm. let it, it's in every ember of us. It's in our, it's in our language mm-hmm. and in our interests and in the ways that we move about in the world. Yeah. And so I, I try to be really genuine about that and, and things in general. Um. So that's important to me. Oh my gosh. I have like so many things to say, but let me just piggyback on that
2: really, really quickly. When you said meetings in hotel rooms, you know, with the Me Too thing, I've heard, heard a lot of people say, women sadly say, well, why are these women go to a hotel room With these people you know i had a situation where i was on a job at a convention uh and a manager of mine we were setting up in a hotel room we had like equipment it was like a long story short there was equipment involved and so at at the end of it i had to go up to like give him the equipment it was in his hotel room not a big deal we'd done this a million times and that one time he was like he like kind of like started to make an advance and it was enough for me to like not never work for him again. And it was like, you know, it was a freelance. It was awesome. I was like flown around the country to do these jobs and stuff. And it's like, well, so you're in a hotel room because a lot of jobs, depending on what the job is, have been in hotel rooms. Like I I have a few like musician friends who've said the same thing. If you're on tour, you know, you meet in a hotel room. It's not a big deal. And so, I mean, in a way, it's like we all maybe are rethinking or maybe there's like a, a rewiring of even that. What yeah. was seen as normal in those ways? Maybe we need. We were comfortable, maybe in some ways, but now maybe we just shouldn't have any meetings yeah. like
0: and that. And also, anymore. but here's that everybody has the agency to say, right? Yeah, no, no. absolutely. Student, so,
3: anyway, and, time out to like. Like a hotel room, I think a lot of the women are getting a bad rap. A hotel room could mean a suite and an office inside the hotel room. Oh yeah, where it's like you do have conference meetings there. You have you know whatever business stuff, and then all of a sudden they're trying to get you to go into the bedroom, oh, yeah. or you know like some of the stories that were they're you know the things. women sessions, like yeah, exactly. yeah.
0: right? You know home, home base for a photo shoot. It's but not hotel like the rooms normal are used a lot. Right. Yeah. It's not I
2: think it's if someone is maybe coming from the corporate world and maybe all their meetings are in a in a conference room, like in an office, like it is hard for them to understand like a hotel room situation. But for people who are like performers and things in that realm that aren't like super normal, nine to five corporate, like a lot of meetings are in unconventional places. And it's not been abnormal. Yeah. It's just not, you mm-hmm. know? So I anyway,
0: yeah. Oh, no, you're know. right. And there's this blurriness around mm-hmm. In the entertainment business specifically, and I know it's in all Uh types of business, all walks of life, Mm -hmm. all these things are happening. But there is something about the entertainment business. There's that dark underbelly of young people going in and so much of it is about your appearance and you're objectified. Right. And And going there for the dream of something and someone saying, oh, I
2: mean, I'm sure you've had it too. I've had managers and agents who are like, you have to go to this thing. Like this is, we want to book this. We're going to make money off of this and off of you. Like you have to, you can't
0: like, who cares if it's wherever it is? Like you're going to meet this person. And the advice so often given is you take every opportunity. Right yes, you take it because you never know when you'll get another one. And I know that I came into the industry with privilege because I was raised in a really healthy, safe environment. Mm-hmm. I wasn't abused. Mm-hmm. I but I also had wonderful agents who were protecting me. Yeah. So I knew that if I were going to an audition, that they had checked this out. Mm-hmm. Nothing. If anything happened, Lawsuits. I mean, it would Mm -hmm. be over for them. There are so many people who don't have any family support. They've been traumatized themselves, so they don't even know how to say no. They
3: can't pay their rent, so they end up doing stuff that that maybe they wouldn't have been doing just to survive, just to eat. And people are definitely taking advantage of that. Absolutely true. so
0: true. I can't believe how quickly this time is going. Mm -hmm. I have a question for you, Rain. So I'm wearing (laughs) this special necklace. I want to know what your thoughts are on it. What do you think as a stylist? I absolutely
3: love it. So, for those of you that can't see, it's like, is that a bullet? What is that? Is that a pen? Is it just a shape? <laughs> do you
0: know? What it you looks know? like a whistle. Is it?
3: Is it a rape whistle? <laughs> Oh, what is it's that? A vibrator? Yeah. Oh, oh. we've been staring at it for like an hour and had no idea. So it's very <laughs> long and thin, and it kind of looks like a pen. Which, it, which I was saying, I love Christina Hendricks' uh, outfits from The Mad Men, and that was definitely she wore a necklace like that that was a pen, yes. and I absolutely love. It, and the fact that it's a vibrator, boneness. Boner, Boner bonus. Boner
0: yeah. bonus. <laughs> Boner so, bonus. I love that it's so elegant and that it's not obviously a vibrator because it's like the secret you can wear around your neck. It's from the Pleasure Chest. It is our toy of the month. And it's the Crave Vesper in rose gold. Wow. And it with came, the chrome tip. Yes. Around it. Seriously, so so it's super classy. Like it? it looks really cool. Like I'd wear it regardless. Right? Yeah. looks like, awesome. I love that about it. And it's whisper quiet. That's why I had to like press it on the microphone for you to hear. You're like, what? Nothing's happening. <laughs> uh, which means you can use it out in public and nobody's going to know <laughs> until, you know, you do the Meg Ryan thing in a restaurant. It's actually really <laughs> happening. Uh, and it, it comes as part of this really cool kit called the trendsetter kit at the pleasure chest. For $90, which is $15 savings if you buy all of them, which is over a 15% discount, which is awesome. So thank you to The Pleasure Chest and thank you for your support all year long. You are amazing. Everybody, you can get free sex ed workshops there every week if you're in LA, Chicago, or New York. Shop on their website at thepleasurechest.com. They also have some awesome holiday specials going on right now. So before we wrap up, I would love to hear from each of you. What is one goal, one intention that we can set within your profession. So, Aaron dating reign for fashion, what can we set our sights on next year moving into 2018? So,
2: um for me being a dating coach, you know, the the thing that well, dating empowerment coach is what I that I've embraced that title more lately. Um cuz a lot of it is about empowerment, it's not just about finding dates or helping you with an online dating site or app. It's it's more about getting confidence. I had someone reach out to me recently and they were like, you know, I just I've been on all the sites and I feel like I've lost all my confidence. Like just from going through the process of swiping on apps and stuff, mm-hmm. I just feel like I have no self-confidence. Can you help me? So, um really I feel like the main thing I would say for anyone who's single going into 2018 is and beyond is just, you know, do what you can to be, just be a better person. Be your authentic self. Um, what can you do to boost your self-confidence into the new year? You know, coming into a dating, into dating somebody new, um, you know, with active goals, with you being really confident about who you are. Um, being really clear about what you're looking for and who you are in terms of identity like those things are really going to make a difference going into the dating process in 2018 because I can't tell you again how many people I've worked with in workshops or just chat with in the streets who were like "I, I don't know what I want and I don't know who you know I like there's literally no focus or direction and so usually you will attract what you are. So if there's no focus and direct direction and not that you can't meet nice people because you can, but just meaning if you're looking for something very specific and you know that you are this, 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 these categories, generally speaking, it's going to be way easier through the process in terms of weeding people out and choosing people who are in li- in alignment with you. Beautiful mm-hmm. advice.
0: I love that because mm-hmm. it's that was off think, the top of my head. Like, what's my, <laughs> what can I do to find the right partner and to date and to this and to that? And it's so easy to put all of the onus then on these dating-specific strategies, mm-hmm. whereas so much of it is your own mindset. And, yeah. and if you're working on yourself, you're going to attract probably exactly what you want.
2: Oh, and let me just say real quick, we talked about this really quickly. Um, I am newly single. And I i was like, you know, I hadn't been on Tinder for like three years. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to check this out and see what's happening and see if it's better in the era of me too and stuff. And went on there and got stood up twice last week. Oh so listen, goodness. I'm not immune. And it was actually a really good experience because I haven't had the experience of being stood up before. People don't know I'm a dating coach on Tinder. I'm just on there as a girl, whatever. So I had a, you like the experience of you know, a woman on Tinder, like what it's like. And I was like, this is what it's like. And it's crazy. And no, no, the behavior's not better in this area of me too. I still got asked if I was on birth control, like after I'd matched with somebody. And so, and I got like, a was dick picture. That is Was first question? It was like so second or third question. Second or third question. But like, I mean, but you know, it's like, okay, so just know I get it. Everybody, <laughs> single people, I understand. Like I'm out there and I see what's happening. So- I know what it's about, but it just, you, you knowing your true self will make it easier for you to be like bat away the madness the bat it mm-hmm. away bat it away get mm-hmm. out of here yeah you know? being stood
0: up it's not about you
2: it's about yeah. no. that other person it is a blow to the ego but it's not about you and it just it happens to the best of us so yeah. keep keep it
3: moving you may as
0: well find out right away yes <laughs> Rain what would you say yes
3: would I would probably say we all have to find our six so I'm not about rating people but we all have our six our sevens our eights our nines our tens meaning if you your ten is going full on formal gown, hair, makeup and your one is like you haven't had a shower for two days, your (laughs) armpit hair is long, you haven't shaved your vagina all that kind of (laughs) stuff, right? So I like to say to my clients and myself is find your six and try not to go out in public anything less than your six. So sometimes you're just going to be a jeans and a sweater, right? (laughs) But this goes for everything. Like you you were just saying you have to know who you are and you want to attract that. So Mm -hmm. if you want to find better friends, well if you're going out in dirty sweatpants and a dirty shirt or whatever, not putting yourself together, you are not going to attract that better friends that raise you up versus bring you down. So find your six. You can always do your your version of a seven, eight, nine and ten. But anything less than a six, you're just going to feel bad about yourself and you're not going to be in a great mindset. Mm,
0: You'd be really proud of me, Rain, because I've been going through my clothes and getting rid of I noticed I was still hanging on to a bunch of really cheap, worn out stuff that were cheap to begin with. And mm. then I had this feeling of like, I can't give this up because why? You know, just there's <laughs> this if you've ever been like really, really, really broke, which I have. Yes. It's hard to give stuff up. And I was like, this does not bring me joy or even satisfaction. So I put it all in a garbage bag and I thought of rain. I put yeah, it in my yes. car. And, I'm, gonna and I'm
3: sure that reminded you of when you were broke and you couldn't afford that and you just bought it because it was there.
0: That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's very true. And now somebody who is broke can actually get good value out of it mm-hmm. and might enjoy it, yes. which is great. And I made more room in my closet and my drawer for better things. And now I don't- To open showcase what you love? Yeah. So you don't have to like open a drawer and go, ugh. Yes. yes. Gross. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know about if I'm at my six every day yet, but- yeah. It's just we yeah. get, like I said, we try,
3: you know, at least yeah. try to go for a six. You're going to attract better clients, better friends, wherever you are in your life to what you want. Like yeah. just and I'm just talking about leaving the house and going out into the world. I right. know if I do anything less than that. And if I run into anybody, I'm like, eh, I don't want to talk to you because I look like crap. It's just like it's not good energy. Yes. So vaguely, whether you're into fashion or not, find your comfortable sinks and work with that.
0: Yeah, like that clothes that fit, colors make you happy, all, yes. all that kind of stuff. I've learned so much from you both. Aww. Thank you for being here. Erin, where can everybody learn more about you and see your awesome videos?
2: Yes, yes. Okay, so uh, my website is thedatingadvicegirl.com. I'm on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash thedatingadvicegirl. Basically, if you do a Google search, search thedatingadvicegirl, you'll find me. Uh, my name is Aaron Tillman. That's my real, my real name, not my alias. But yeah, I'm on Instagram. I'm uh, youtube.com slash dating Advice Girl. Um, Instagram, all the things. So uh, find me there and look out for my book coming out. Hopefully, um let's just say early 2018, hopefully, fingers crossed. And again, it's around consent and boundaries. It's really important. You know, I'm no authority on it, but I feel like I needed to add something to the conversation that's happening right now because it's such an important conversation. And I do feel like the culture is changing, which is amazing. Yay, Mm
0: -hmm. beautiful.
3: You can find me, Rain, at stylebyrain.com, R-A-Y-N-E, on Instagram at Rain Parvis, or you can just go to August Friends and find me there. (laughs) But go to stylebyrain.com, and I do a free download with a mini makeover that everybody can use, and they're very extremely simple tips that you can actually imply before the new year.
0: Love. Thank you both for being here. Thanks for having us. If you're enjoying Girl Boner Radio, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes if you haven't and leave a simple review while you're there. Thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.